What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Medela! Hey, B. Kids maybe in the basement cheering for him. Do you think Roger got a stimulus check, twelve hundred dollars, or do you think it making forty million dollars a year you don't qualify? Uh, he didn't take a pay cut. He's, he's not taking a percentage pay cut. Did you uh, did you happen to see Ruth Chris, the steakhouse? Yeah, they uh, their their yearly profit guy is about forty five million. I guess the way they've set up their business, they have a couple different entities, so they qualified for multiple. The max you can get as a small business is $10 million. They qualified for multiple $10 million, uh, stimuluses, so they got $20 million Clever. to keep it afloat. Wow. Now, there's two ways to look at it, right? There's They do have over 5,000 employees, so they're keeping those people. Now, I think you could counter and go, well, is, is the stimulus made... For companies that could easily cover their costs That's for a correct. month or two. Like, exactly. I think uh, that'd I think be its appropriate response. That'd be a little shady. You know, if, you're, if your net profits are $700,000 and you need a $10 million stimulus to pay for everyone, okay. Or even a couple million. But it's like, that's... And again, I hard to totally blame Ruth Chris. Because if you did qualify for free money, you would take it too. 1% interest rate for $10 million, $20 million bucks. It's a no-brainer on their end. Now, should it probably have been? I had I had a buddy yesterday that qualified for about one hundred ninety. He got one hundred ninety thousand dollars for his business. He said the scary part is that you use that one hundred ninety thousand dollars for your business, that you do owe that money in a year. And if you think about it, it's like, well, we we're just using this money to stay afloat. We're not. It's not like we might not be able to make a bunch of money. How do we pay that? It's it's, it's kind of crazy. So uh, let's appreciate a couple local businesses, John, uh, while we have the opportunity. We've been uh, giving a little local love 
if you uh, are so inclined, have the opportunity to support. Uh, I know you were uh, you were headed over to uh, Kinder's Barbecue to get yourself a chicken barbecue sandwich the other day. I saw you supporting in and out. Well done. Yeah, <laughs> looked like a lot of other people were supporting in and out too. <laughs> oh my god, Kinder's was actually pretty packed. If I wasn't going to go for a jog later in the day, I would have got the someone recommended the ribeye sandwich Ugh. with jalapeno sauce. But I just knew that it'd be hard to go for a jog with that in me. The chicken sandwich I processed a little earlier. You got to do that a little later in the day or if you work out early. But I'm, I'm going to hit that up in the next couple of days. My friends at Kinder's started in 1946 in the Bay Area. They're, they're all over. Support them. Get yourself a little sandwich at lunch. Uh, support local. Hashtag it. Yep. In and, your head. Uh, ever good. Ever good sausages, John. 90 years in business, guy. 90 years in business in the Bay Area. Uh, you can find them in Costco. You can find them. I know I, I go to Safeway. Wherever you shop in the Bay Area, support local. Evergood Sausages. I go with the, the pineapple sausage. Ooh, God, it's good. Uh, right. Tastes great in your belly. All right. Just a couple uh, a couple great options if you uh, are into. Uh, if you're into eating, John, if you're into eating, which actually will bring us to uh, one of our first discussions um, on the podcast today, which, by the way, this podcast also available on YouTube. We would love if all of you went to our YouTube channel, uh, and the link will be in the description of this podcast, the link to our YouTube channel, so you can just click that or look for us on YouTube, promo code HAM. Use the channel name, for now at least. And uh, subscribe to that channel. That's great. We've got a bunch of new videos there. And next week will be a big week, too. A lot going on out here next week. Yeah. So uh, go check all that out. All right, so much to get to. Uh, let's start with mock drafts, John, because Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network wrote this tweet. I believe we'll see less groupthink in the draft this year because you don't have the pro days, scouts from different teams, all spending time around each other. You were in that boat, so we can get some perspective on that. Um, but some are going to be shocked at how, how high or low some of these guys go. And then Ian Rappaport retweeted it and said, I had a GM tell me, the media is wronger about mock drafts this year than you guys have ever been. Point being, players are going to be taken in places no one expects. And uh, it took a while, but we finally got our Bob McGinn write-ups. Mackay Becton likes to cook too much, according to an anonymous scout. And then as we're starting this podcast, I don't know if you saw this, but McGinn wrote that there are three teams that have taken Tua off of their draft boards completely. I did not see that. Yeah. So mock draft, uh, mock draft seasons <clears throat> wronger than they've ever been. Well, one thing there's always group think in your office in the sense of what do you talk to your fellow scouts about? What do you think about this player? Do you like this player? What did you give this player? Am I too high on this player? Am I too low on this player? That's natural. That's football teams, coaches, scouts, players, they all talk about football and the other players. Even players ask scouts what they think about it. It's just all insulated. But that's normal. And I think you can cut out the clutter, especially in meetings. To just get aggressive, you can lay it all out there. The difference becomes during the pro day circuit, your coaches are heavily involved, and scouts talk to other scouts about where they have this guy after we have all the information. They've gone to the combine. What does your GM think about this player? And that can impact your decisions and your thought on that player. But guy, I think the biggest thing is scouts are part of the process all year long, right? They get all this information over the summer. They start putting together the list. They get sent out on the road, the all-stars, the combines, the pro days, just an everlasting circuit. That's just start. It's just 365 kind of where the coaches 
wouldn't you once OTAs start, the coaches from OTAs till your last game, whether that's week 17, whether that's a playoff game, whether it's the fucking Super Bowl, all they're thinking about, right, is games. Getting our guys ready to play. They don't they might watch a little college football on Saturday, but if if it's October 15th and Saturday at the hotel, what do you think is the number one thing on most coaches' mind? The next day's game. So there's game mode, game mode, football mode, scheme mode, development mode, and they get thrown into the process right around the combine. So what happens on the pro day circuit? They see their friends. If you're a running back coach and you're going to, you're going to Ohio State's pro day, let's say Ohio State's pro day would have happened. Do you know who would have been a lot of people that would have been there? I would say probably 10 running back coaches in the NFL, maybe more, because Dobbins is a guy that could go in the first round or the second round. So good and bad teams sending their running back coaches there. Akuda's there. So I think you'd want maybe not as many DB coaches would be there, but I think you'd want to feel like, okay, if you're going to put your your stamp on C.J. Henderson, or I guess TCU's got a guy, I want you to get a feel for this player. He's the best guy. So I maybe 10-plus DB coaches were there. What do you think happens before the pro day starts and all those guys are sitting there? They're talking. And who else is there? Albert Breer, Peter King, DJ might be there. I can't tell you how much talking goes on at those things. And where do assistant coaches usually spend their time when they're in the office? With the coordinator and the head coach talking about this stuff. Where the GM is a little bit, he's like a ma- he is a manager. Where he's just hesitant to give you certain information. But the coach is still a coach, even the head coach, that he's talking to his assistants yeah. about these players, about what he thinks. So it all gets kind of thrown or how, out there. Or how their GM's not listening to them. Yeah, so what gets talked about to Albert Breer? Well... Our head coach loves this guy. Our general manager does. And just you have a flow of information. Guy, that has been completely cut off. I found myself, I've probably never texted my friends in the league less over the last month just because you're not really living with it every day because you're not looking up and seeing the pro day like, God, what was Chase Young like live? You're just like, should I go for a jog today? That's what I'm thinking about. That's what Honestly, that's what my friends were thinking about. Like they're watching their kids. The, the information that's out there has probably, it's been the, the least amount of information in the history of the modern day draft. Well, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast or not. Maybe I have, but, you know, everyone is, uh, and probably a lot of our listeners, uh, work from home is what everybody, it's just, it's the way of our lives right now. And so a lot of people have said, and you and I have talked about this, Boy, work from home is going to open up eyes that you don't need office space and you don't need to go to an office. You can just work from home. It's going to change the world as we know it in terms of the way people do business. And maybe it will. I don't necessarily think it'll change the work as we know it for the better. I think there are just little incremental pieces of nuanced life that occur when you go to an offense and interact an office and interact with people, whatever your work environment is that you lose when you're at home. And sure, you could say, no, I'm way more efficient from home. And that might be true. But the, 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 the core of human essence is not business efficiency. It's human interaction. And all these little things that happen that Albert Breer, because he talks to 13 different coaches over the course of two days face-to-face, and they're just casually chatting, all that information together is very different than a bunch of text messages. Hey, man, what do you think of Akuda? And then the guy gives you a quote back that's just a quote. 
and it, you just don't you don't you don't get this human interaction that's so critical. And when you talk to somebody in a human way, they might say something to you that they wouldn't say otherwise in a text because there's all this nuance. I found there are a lot of like political conversations that happen and I got text threads going on about people's opinions. A lot harder to take in text than they are if you have the conversation with someone. It's a lot harder to go, man, fuck that guy. No, okay, I, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the mood for this conversation. I've said that on text many times to myself. I'm just not in the mood. Conversations that I could have in person that it's just it's easier to disagree and, and go back and forth about it. Not to mention the fact that my hip locked up on me while I was uh, 1 a.m. last night. I had to get up and walk off a I don't even know what just because I'm sitting so much. So I don't think all this work from home is as beneficial as people think it is. Yeah, if you got into an argument with Alyssa, is it easier to hash it out over t- if you were sep- if you were in like a different city or something over text message or when you see her next? Oh, you, the text you, is when the you worst. said when when you said the offense instead of office. Imagine if you got during us during the season one week you just tried this out. Take your entire offensive staff. You guys work from home Monday Tuesday. Put together the game plan. You do everything on Zoom instead of being in the office. Would they be as efficient if they were all sitting next to each other? No. You know what? I read this article about the guy who is putting together the Michael Jordan doc. Yeah. Which we're going to do a podcast Sunday night after. Um, and he was saying how they're not done with it yet. Like when the first two parts air Sunday night, they're actually not done with part 10 yet. That, that's why they couldn't put it all out in once, probably. It was supposed to go out in June, and even then it was going to be tight. Gotcha. But he said one of the things is like we're all working from home. So you can't just be like, hey, come in here. What do you think of the way this looks? The editor, right? Hey, how do you think? What do you think about the way this looks? Just think about the workflow is so much more complicated. Or like, hey, guys, we're a little behind on this. Let's meet in 10 minutes and just hash some things out. Where it's like, hey, does everyone have time on Zoom? It's like, well, I got to feed little Jimmy. Well, my dog hasn't taken a shit. You know, it's like, fuck. You're right. It's... I'm completely with you. Now, this, at the end of the day, what the media thinks about it, it's irrelevant. I think you, you, your point on the bigger picture of society, I'm with you. Working from home, moving forward. Well, podcasts, we literally talk for a living where we're just putting together. It's actually very feasible. If we were running a venture capitalist firm or a real estate firm or a food or whatever business, it is actually would be inefficient to maintain this. Yeah. But I, you could argue this during the draft process. I wonder if teams find out, God, we were able to keep a lot more things in-house doing this. And from a competitive advantage standpoint, no one knew what we were even close to thinking because our information, one, our running back coach had no clue who the GM actually liked. Where it'd be impossible to hold that from him because it's like, Hey guys, uh, it'd be like Tuesday in mid-April. Uh, Hoagie's in the draft room right now. Just got dropped off. Uh, we uh, pizza's here. You know, and everyone just comes in there. What do you, what, what do you think when you grab your Hoagie and your coach runs into the scouting director and you're just looking at the board like, God, man, I love DeAndre Swift. Why are we got? It's just normal conversation. This is football. Yeah. And, but the, that's that was. Do you know where we had food dropped off consistently? During this time, the fucking draft room. Why? Because there's an unlimited amount of space to throw a bunch of pizzas or hoagies or Chinese food or whatever. And guess where everyone comes, especially football guys, where the food is. Right. So it's just, you're just limiting the amount of people that know information that, uh, hell, they should know. It's not like they're on your team. Like they're not, they're not moles, right? But 
they're also humans when you know stuff. If I have a close buddy and I'm the Niners West Coast scout, and I have a, I'm very, very tight with, let's say, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers college scouting director, and I'm at the USC Pro Day, and I'm there like, I, I know, hey, man, we could be in the Pittman business, so I'm pretty locked in. And I see my buddy from Tampa there that's the college scouting director. Well, we're going to talk. Well, they're picking right after us. So what, he's like, hey, man, what do you guys like at 13? And I'm just like, because I'm just friends with them. We're just, I'm not going to lie, probably. I'm just like, yeah, you know, Lynch and Kyle, they, they love C.J. Henderson. Well, what's he doing? Telling Jason Light and Bruce Arians, like, hey, man, we, we, we can probably isolate this and this and this. It's just human nature. Let me ask you this. We talked about do those interactions ever benefit you? In other words, do you ever talk to a guy? I don't mean benefit you in the way that you just described, but I mean benefit you in the way where, where you're, you're talking about Michael Pittman Jr. And the guy's like, I mean, the problem is, and I'm making this up completely, the problem is that MR, that knee injury he had like last offseason that no one really knows about. And all of a sudden, now, now you're like, oh, well, I guess I better go talk to the trainer or something like or, that. Or, or like this. And again, I hate using Michael Pittman in this, but whoever, player X. You know, we've already taken him off our board. Did, you know that that DUI he got that the school got right. thrown out. You know, and it didn't get out. And you're like, what? The what? <laughs> you know, that what, what are you telling me? And that's can you imagine? I didn't do it long enough, but it'd probably be inevitable if you were a road scout for a decade. There would be like a year later. It turns out this guy had a domestic violence that never got out that the school covered up, and you didn't have. And your job is to be the detective. So yeah, one million percent. It does not behoove you to stay silent. But part of, are you just going to lie to everybody, even the people you know? It's probably not when you're not the decision maker. Now, granted, you might not have all the information, but it is a, there has been, if you look at it like a dam, and there was just a massive natural leak, you know, the water flows. That's just natural. Some of it's good, you know, I'd say over half of it's kind of irrelevant. Mm. But you've basically just patched up the majority of that water flow. So there was just like, whenever the water does come, could we just see the first 20 picks of just a bunch of curveballs? Like Jordan Love's the second. Who knows? Yeah. Because again, like Jordan Love's a player. How big would his pro day have been? Huge. It would have been like, oh, Gruden's there. Oh, Bruce Arians is there. You're like, Jesus. Like, could this guy go? And then Albert Breer and DJ are there. And then some rumors that they got like, hey, I've heard fucking people love this guy. They think, you know, it's just, the other that part was, of it, guy, that was happening at the combine. It was like here, Jordan Love, Jordan Love, and then yeah. it just goes silent. Here's the other part though, is that's where you get like that's how you know you need to trade up from whatever, twenty four to eighteen, because the team at nineteen loves the guy you want. Right? Are we gonna see less trade our team's gonna have less recon on who else loves the guy they love? Are they going to be harder pressed to figure out who they need to jump ahead of because they just have less information about who else likes a guy? Like, if all the mock drafts are wrong, then how are teams figuring out, oh, well, Tampa actually really likes LaVisca Chenault. We better get up two spots ahead of them. Well, it's – yeah, that's there's a huge element that's going to be that missing. You're just going to rely on, like, your agents, what they're hearing about their players from other teams and, and assume it's good information – I was listening. Thomas Dimitrov was on Peter King's podcast. When they first decided to do the draft, they had a conference call with every general manager. And I think Goodell was on the call. And one thing he was like, uh, he was like, let's just make this as easy as possible. He was just throwing out some ideas. No trades. 
And he, and Dimitrov was like, people snapped. He's like, this is not. If you look at the GMs in this league right now, a lot of guys are. This is not old school GMs. These guys are really aggressive. He said one of the guys was like John Schneider. Was like what? <laughs> and it, it got poo pooed fast. John was like, let me just trade back now, and then you can enact that rule. Uh, see, this would and he and part of back to your original point. These would have been conversations if something weird was going to happen with the draft. They would have had at the owners' meeting, right when all the GMs were there. So there was a huge element. And again, it got hashed out, and he felt good about it. Right. He he thought, and I, I Mayock said this too, that he doesn't think the difference in the first round is really going to be any different either way because you've been locked into the Lavishka Chanols and the and the Herberts, and the, you've been talking about these players for twelve months. You know, CD Lambs, like they they, they have been the top players. Maybe a couple curveballs, but even the curveballs you start locking into around October. He thought it was much more like the third day of just having no medical on a dude from, you know, the Fresno State six player that you weren't the GM didn't spend any time on the coaches haven't seen didn't might have gone to the combine but you weren't focused in on. That's where to me that I think those are the type players guy probably more than like Michael Pittman buzz at a pro day. Michael Pittman's good. Michael Pittman's going in the top sixty picks and he was going in the top sixty picks. Whether fucking pro days happen, whether the combine happen, whether the draft happens on Zoom. But how about the dude in the fifth round that all of a sudden goes to a pro day? You're like, holy shit, we might need to relook at this guy. And all of a sudden, instead of going to the fifth, he goes to like the end of the third. You know, because a coach tells a coach, like, I love this guy. Our GM right. actually sneaky loves this guy. And then your coach tells the GM, like, I heard this guy's GM loves this guy. And you're like, God, are we too low on this guy? We got to move him up. That's where to me, like, are, are we changing. Uh, you know, Patrick Queen from LSU, the linebacker? No. It, it, to me, it's like the guard that's going to go, like, on the third day might have ended up going in the mid-third round because you realize, like, this guy's never going to be there for us. You get so much from an interaction that you probably don't have on Zoom, right? When you walk up next to a guy, maybe the head football coach at a pro day, and you're like, what do you think of this guy? And on Zoom, he doesn't give you this. It's like, you're like, oh, because I, I like I've been to basketball shootarounds where I'm like, God, you, this guy's gonna be a first rounder. What do you think? And the coach is like, pain in my ass. I'll tell you that. Which on a Zoom call, you're not getting that. There's just something in that gray area that you're not getting. Or how, how about this? So when you go to a pro day, like let's use Drew Hill as an example. He's Lincoln Riley's equivalent of the general manager. Our buddy hired me at Fresno State. If you know Drew Hill, and some of these scouts, right, I've known Drew Hill now from Fresno State to Oklahoma. These guys are now GMs, or like an Adam Peters was going to the West Coast in 05 for 15-plus. Like you had a really good relationship with him. Because Drew 13. likes to take you out. Yeah, and you're, you you walk over to him, and you go, who loves C.D.? Like, you just asked him about C.D. Lamb. Like, yeah. who's really in on C.D. Lamb? He's like, I'm telling you, dog. Everyone's acting like Mayock's going to get him. I hear the Jets are going to take them at 11. Like, they, they cannot stop coming around here calling me. Just to come. Like, are you going to Zoom and get that same interaction where it's like, you tell your GM, I think C.D. Lamb is not going to be there at, a, at a 12. You know, and those type things are just, they don't exist right now. Or they I, do, but like you said, you're not as comfortable making like a, a concrete, absolute right. statement like you feel good about it. I talked to, uh, you like this, John, name drop. I talked to David Shaw on Friday, and I asked him what he's missing at the office, that he just, just a little thing from the office that he's missing right now. And he said, you know, many years ago, he went to a coaches, like a coaches uh, uh, association uh, meeting, conference, 
and there was a panel that was just Bo Schembechler and Joe Paterno. Those are the two guys on the panel. And they asked Schembechler what he regrets most from his career. And he said his biggest regret is that he took too much of his assistant's time because he just loved hanging out with his assistant so much. He would make meetings last longer. He'd pop into their offices and talk to them about things that he didn't really need to be talking to them about. And he kept them from their families just because he loved being around them so much. And that's what Shaw said. He's like, I just miss walking down the hall, knocking on a door, walking into a guy's office, and talking to him for 10 minutes. And the situation you described is exactly what he said. He's like, now it's like I text him, hey, do you have time to Zoom today? And he's like, well, I got three Zoom calls with recruits. And then we got dinner with the family. So uh, if we could do it uh, tomorrow at like three in the afternoon. And he's like, you just, that is missing. That's missing. And I wonder, like when you say the hoagies have been delivered, not only are you not exchanging uh, information with other people on your staff, but I I wonder there's got to be a conversation where during the hoagies, scout John Middlecoff remembers, oh, I forgot to tell this guy about this other guy I saw when I was watching LaVisca Chenault tape, I saw this corner from Utah. Have you seen him? And I'm like, no, nah, I haven't seen him. And then you go watch him. And it's just something organic that happens. Or, or yeah, like, hey, man, <clears throat> you look at your wide receiver coach. Like, I got this guy in the seventh round. I fucking like him. Like, I, I think we should think about But drafting. you wouldn't Can make you, time for that conversation. It's too far down your to-do list. No, there's too much going on. There... There aren't many, like, a lot gets accomplished over food in a football office. Like, you, you bring up a good point, though, about coaches. You know how you always hear athletes, like, you ask Peyton Manning, like, what do you miss most? It's not, like, the game. It's not the accolades. It's not even winning and losing. It's like, I just miss, like, practice with the guys. I miss the just lock, just being around the guys. I miss the guys. Coaching is just a different version of that, right? Especially in football, where... You have a staff of 10, 15 people that it's like you're all in this little bunker together, you and then your players. It's like this little group. And now you're separated them all. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be a pretty surreal feeling for, especially these guys are grinders. A lot of players naturally, for every Odell Beckham that works out on their own, a lot of guys utilize, they live in their team's area, they utilize the team facility. They're just around a lot because they know, here's what else they know. Why wouldn't you go in and get free lunch every day? It's like, what else are you doing? You know, if you're not on vacation or whatever, you're gonna work out. You're gonna just you like the coordinator. They're like they're your friends. You're not you're not spending that much time talking to your neighbor about like why stick. I mean, that's or or how am I gonna get open against this defense next year? That's that's what the greats are and just good players think about. Yeah. I saw Kwaski Tart tweeted out a video today. Like, for all the young kids that are at home, here's a four-cone drill that I use. This, football players like playing football. Football coaches like talking football and coaching football. And none of it can be done right now. Uh, before we move on, do, do you think there's any commonality between – and I, don't, I haven't really read the details of the story because it just alerted as soon as we started this podcast. Um, any commonality between the teams that don't have two on, on their board? Like, do you think it's teams that wouldn't be drafted that, – that have – I guess what I wonder is, have there been conversations among teams who are drafting like at 14, 15, who go, what are we going to do in the crazy event that Tua Tonga-Vailoa is tumbling and he's sitting there at 14 or 15? 
Um, because I got to think that conversation just it that has contingency to be, it has is being to be had, happening, right? right? It, you, you'd be negligent to not have had so that conversation. Are those the teams taking them off their draft board? Like, you know what? It's just, or is it teams at the top ten that are doing it? What do you think? To me, there are two only two reasons you'd take them off the draft board, and one I think doesn't exist anymore, given what we've seen in the league the last decade. One would be height requirements. Certain teams have certain requirements at certain positions that if you don't qualify, you don't get to go on the draft board. Wouldn't you say that'd be pretty negligent in 2020 if a guy's six feet tall to not have a quarterback on your board just for that height? Yeah. I would say that would be pretty limited. Now, Mike Lombardi said the one thing with the Patriots, they have an, you, you get graded extra harshly when you're smaller at quarterback. So, But I don't think you'd take off the board. And then obviously, to me, if you're off the board, Tua, I think it's 1 million percent medical. Like, I just think your yeah. hip is whatever. But I'm asking. I don't think I don't think you take him off the board based on like he. Let's say you're drafting like let's say you're the Packers. Would you take him at 31? You're like we would not take him because we don't want him. So we take him off the board. No, you just wouldn't. You would have him graded as a second round pick. Yeah, I guess what I'm asking is, do you think there's any common threat? Like to me, it's easier to say he's off our board when you're drafting 21st. It's harder to say he's off our board when you're drafting fourth, and like. Herbert's already gone because the Chargers moved up to three, and now it's like Tua can be yours, but you pass on him because if I if I if I was a GM guy, I would not take him off my board unless my doctor told me he couldn't play. Because if he was good and I took him off the board because I didn't think he was any good in three years, that could really discredit me to my owner. If he becomes like Drew Brees, he he's his upside's too great to risk that to me. At quarterback, especially if I'm a team that has questionable quarterback future. Couldn't you argue if you're like the Minnesota Vikings and he falls to you, it just might be a smart move to just acquire him? I will say this, though, and this might happen, where he gets drafted wherever he gets drafted, and he's back from the hip, and it's great. And after a year, everyone's like, the teams that took him off the board, idiots. And what will those GMs might go, hey, hey, it wasn't just about his hip, though. And maybe it's not even teams that took him off the board. It's just people that are concerned. Let's just let me rephrase it. Just people that are concerned about Tua's health. It's not just is he medically cleared for this year to be a quarterback. It's also four years from now, how many games has he missed? Well, let's say he's the equivalent of Todd Gurley. It's not worth it, right? As no. a first round pick if he's the first if he's Todd Gurley. No. Was Todd Gurley worth it for the Rams at pick ten? If they would you say if yes they if, he, if they hadn't extended him, yes. Yeah. Given that they were ready to, w- they turned out they were ready to win. Wouldn't you say a huge element of Tua, if I took him off medically and he has a couple good years, you'd go, I don't think he can last. Yeah, like, that's your argument, right? Well, like so I yeah, remember, you, you got to give me eight years for my argument. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> but it's true. I know it is true. Like I, I remember on a smaller level, buddy who's an, an NBA scout said his team took Kevon Looney off their draft board coming out of UCLA because of his hip. Well, after a couple of years, it was like, God, you guys screwed that up. Well, now it's checking like, dudes in the NBA Finals. Now it's like, man, no, you didn't. Maybe you didn't screw it up. But it's just well, did, didn't Brandon Roy have a degenerate knee? Brandon Roy? Did he have no, that coming a, out he, of college? He, yeah, he. To me, he's a fifty times better version of Looney. But I think Looney would be a classic one that a lot of teams pass on, and then for a couple years you're like, Jesus Christ. But now you're like, I told you. No doubt. You just hope that you're still around. To tell I to tell for the for your GM to say, all right, Middlecoff, you were right about that guy. Well, if you're not, you put it on your resume like three years later. Yeah, you let everybody know. All right, John, before we move on, let's tell the people uh, this podcast 
is brought to you in part by buyraycon.com slash ham. Unlike some of your other wireless earbud options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet. No dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during your video calls. And uh, we got the newest model, the Everyday E25. Yeah, they're sweet. You already know Raycon earbuds start at half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market. Their newest model, the Everyday E25, like you said, that we have. I used it yesterday. I know you use. The the bass is awesome. They're great for music. It fits in your ear perfectly. They give you a ton of different options, size. You know, we all had different... uh, I guess it's not called the earlobe, but whatever that, that little hole is. Different sizes, so it fits you. Haberman showing you. God, you're doing a good job here on this video. Uh, I, I really, I, I was impressed. I am impressed. I mean, I use them. Uh, you've heard us talk. The company was co-founded by a guy, a guy Ray J, Snoop Dogg, Cardi B, Melissa Elf, Etheridge. She had some bangers back in the day. Brandy, J.R. Smith also uh, involved in the project. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash ham. That's buyraycon.com slash ham for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash ham. All right, Middlecoff. Um, really, if you're listening to this podcast, you really should watch the video of that ad. Uh, the uh, Oh, there's the other draft story. Bob Quinn, openly the GM of the uh, Lions. The Lions have had talks about trading the third pick. Kind of feels like they're gonna, doesn't it? See, that's one of those with the the rumors. I I don't know what to believe, but I think he's kind of said we're open for business. Now I don't buy when they say like, "Oh, the Lions kind of like too." It's like, okay, guys. Well, to me, for them to be open for business, guy, who's trading for? Is someone trading up for Tua Herbert? You would say that's possible simply because yeah, I do think it's possible. You have five and six, two teams that need a quarterback, and there's a very good chance that both those two teams have the same number two quarterback. And to me, someone someone tweeted at me the, or DM'd me the other day, like, if you're the Chargers or the Lions, if you're the Chargers and you wait and the Lions take the quarterback you had at two, you automatically take the quarterback you took at three, or vice versa, the Chargers jump you if you're the, the, the Dolphins and they take the guy you wanted and you don't feel as good about three, do you automatically take him? I said no. No. I I think we have a history in recent drafts of got good players going in the second and third round. These teams, you can always mortgage the future next year. You do not want to get saddled with a quarterback in the top five that you do not view as a top five quarterback. You, you cannot do it. it that, that, to me, is a crippling move. That's where the Lions, I think, are hoping. Honestly, it probably hurts. This is where the non-pro days hurts the Lions. Because I think we would know, like, God, the Chargers and the Dolphins both want this guy. And then you can play him. I, I think there's so much unknown. If you're the Lions, you're like, uh, we kind of like Tua. And then you realize, like, God, did neither of these teams like Tua? Uh, you know, uh, the, the Dolphins are uh, they're thinking about Herbert. And it's like, yeah, they don't even like Herbert. You just, you're just throwing shit out there. And then it's like, well, if no one's really biting, well, I don't the, blame them either. What, they, they're in a tough situation. And the other thing, if you're the, Dol- if you're the Chargers or the Dolphins, you're like, are the Lions going to go back to – how far back are the Lions willing to go? And what would they need to go back there? Because if the Cardinals aren't trading up and the Jags aren't trading up and the Browns aren't trading up and the Jets don't need a quarterback and the Raiders aren't moving up and the Niners aren't moving up and the Broncos aren't moving up, the Bucks aren't moving up, the, the Falcons, the Cowboys, like half the draft behind the Lions doesn't 
they're not getting up that far, and they might not even need to. The Lions just might have to make the pick because their only potential trade partners are the Dolphins and the Chargers. And if yeah. the Dolphins like Tua and the Chargers think that and the Chargers are cool with Herbert, then neither one really has much incentive to go anywhere. But if you are, to me, the Chargers or the Dolphins, and you are nervous, you're number two guy, you have a distinct drop-off. Yeah. This is where the Lions, to me, don't have as much leverage. Like, hey, man, we'll give you a next year second to move. Like, you're not getting a first-round pick. You might get a couple thirds, but you're not getting much for us to move up for. But we will move up just to ensure that we get our guy. Because to me, if you're one of those two teams and you feel very confident that the number two quarterback on your board, or I would just look at it like the number one, it burrows out of there. Right. I'm just focused on who would, do I think either one of these two guys, or throw Jordan Love in there too, is a franchise quarterback? If I believe that, I got to be aggressive to get him. Because that would be the Gettleman or even Mitch Trubisky. Those, you know, Mitch didn't work. But it's hard to fault the Bears. If that's your number one guy, like I, do I give you a conviction credit? I mean, you were wrong. But I, I do like the mindset. It's right. You know, Gettleman, I couldn't risk him not being there at 17. And it's like, well, Dave, I don't think anyone was going to take him. But if you believe in this guy, yeah, what's if in five years no one gives a shit, right? Exactly. If he's a good player, people say he knew. Yeah. Um, holdouts. Dak. Maybe Jamal Adams, too. Jamal Adams. No, the nobody believed in me, Jamal Adams. What what pick was he? Four, five, six, six. Remember every what did he say? Does he remember every player, or every team that passed on him? You no, know, he he tweeted out that something of the not verbatim, but like when you fall in the draft, it, it lights a fire under you. You remember every name that went above you, and then his college teammate, or maybe his maybe just another guy. I think it was Marcus Lattimore. So they, he played at LSU, Ohio State. They probably just elite players know each other. Uh, just tweeted out like, no, I think they bo- they both played at LSU. Jamal Adams went to LSU, so Lattimore played with him at LSU, or did Lattimore go to Ohio State? W- whatever. Lattimore but, went to LSU. Did right? he? No, Lattimore went to Ohio State. Who are we thinking of? We're thinking of, I don't even know, but they've had so many defensive backs. Jamal Adams went to LSU, and he just tweeted. I mean, I fucked this whole thing up. But he basically just tweeted, like, bro, you remember five names. This isn't Draymond Green here. Yeah, Lattimore went to Ohio State. Lattimore, Lattimore, Lattimore went with, like, Conley. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eli Apple. Maybe we're just thinking that Ohio State had a bunch of guys. Yeah. They, they've had safety, too, like Vaughn Bell and other guys. Yeah. Anyway. Good sweet DBs just know each other. Bad year to hold out. If your whole holdout's on Do you Zoom. think a virtual holdout is even that big of a story? Well, do, do you, like, have a Zoom meeting and then not show? Is that how you flex your muscle? Well, you just they send you the email of the link and you don't click it? Yeah. He no-showed the Zoom meeting. Now, Jamal me Adams, nervous. to me, Jamal Adams, he's an edgy guy. Like, he's a safe. He knows the defense. I, I don't even care. I do think there is something to Dak. They are installing a new offense, right? Is Dak just going to go blind? Because ultimately, Dak, if they do force you to play on the one-year contract... They do have them a little bit by the balls. I mean, it goes both ways. Do you risk like not knowing that much or trying to learn really fast? Or are you still getting info on the DL from Kellen Moore of what to do 
and you're just using this as leverage to get your money. Because if you're the Cowboys, it also doesn't behoove you to have your quarterback not know what's going on, show up the week of the season. To me, the quarterback thing with a new coach is a little complicated. Jamal Adams, same defense, whatever. I do think Dak, just if you're just going over verbiage and terminology, like something I'd like my starting quarterback to know, right? So it does f- spook you a little bit if he doesn't show up to the Zoom meeting. Does he gain leverage? Would just he would gain a lot if he didn't show up to, if training camps happen. Especially because McCarthy's up. like, you know, if you're if you're a returning head coach, you go, I know the guy, I'm whatever. But McCarthy's probably telling Jerry, like, Jerry, I need to you want to waste this whole year? I need to talk to this guy. We're installing new plays. He's my quarterback. You would agree, probably no player. Kellen, no, no. Kellen, get in game shape. Does any player in pro sports have more leverage in a quote unquote holdout than your starting quarterback? No, you you can't function. No. Yeah, I actually think Dak could maybe like. It would be a huge story if OTAs were going on. It's like Dak Prescott's not there, and it would be good for him. I, I don't think it'll, it'll be a headline, and we'll probably BS about it, but it's like there's only so much to say. He's not at a Zoom meeting. I do think if they start practicing, he doesn't show up. That's probably the biggest story in the NFL, right? Yeah, there is something about an empty locker that puts pressure on people, right? When the media is asking every one of his teammates about it, what's it like to be here without Dak? Everyone, right? That's, that's a big element is just everyone has to answer those questions. Your team, your coach gets tired of talking about it at every. Pre- well, coaches aren't doing press conferences every day. Your coach at OTA is doing a press conferences every day. The OC, the player, everyone just gets. It's just nonstop because somebody says something every day. It's just part of the news cycle because the yeah. cameras are there. They got to have something. What about when the? To me, the video, the visual, and the pressure from the fans, like when the huddle breaks, and it's like. Uh, that's Guy Haberman from Texas State. When the backup the is just spiking out routes. Yeah, and Amari's lollygagging. You're like, this sucks. You're like, we just paid Amari, and we can't even get on the ball. What a waste of money that's going to be if we don't have Dak here. I I do. like. Usually, I'm not a huge sympathetic holdout guy. you got to be Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack to be like, they're drawing a line. They're making the right move. If I'm Dak, I go, you just gave Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper, $100 million. You, 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 didn't, you guys didn't hesitate about Zeke. He, he's showing about... Seven titties ripping things off. He's been arrested. He's been in all this trouble. And I have been a model citizen. I've been a, I've been a pretty good quarterback. And I've been cheap for you, Jerry. And I can't get paid? Yeah. And Amari's money is flushed down the toilet if I'm not here. Whatever he's worth goes down the tubes if I'm not here. Well, to me, if you if you gave any general manager a choice... Would you let Amari walk, keep Dak, or let Dak walk and keep Amari? You'd keep Dak and try to get another wide receiver, right? Yeah. yeah. You you could argued, did the Cowboys make the right decision keeping Amari? Well, if they keep Dak, which they've, they've but I still think there is still going to be pressure on Amari to like he's got to even get better. Yeah, right? but 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 th- that's a legitimate question that you could answer. Yes, they did the right thing keeping this player. The answer to that question is no if they don't have a quarterback. And they've got – I mean, here's the other thing. It's like, where is this going? Okay, here would be my counter. That's not playing for anybody else. Would you be better off of giving Byron Jones and keeping a sweet corner using your and then using that extra money that you save because of Byron Jones cheaper than uh, Amari getting another player or two and then using your mid-first-round pick on a wide receiver? Yeah, but again, this comes back to is your quarterback great enough that you just get him a 
you get him a receiver that's seventy five percent of Amari, and he can make him almost as good as Amari. Yeah, you get nervous. That's the hang up, right? It's like you got a receiver that's dependent on his quarterback. You got a quarterback that's partly dependent on the other players around him, which I guess everybody is to some degree. Well, and, and you traded a first round pick for Amari Cooper, so right? you had that's, to kind of yeah. That's an element there. Jamal Adams going to hold out. Um. LSU but I mean, when anyone even notice? I'm serious. I mean, not until the season starts. Yeah, and he's going to play. I mean, he's the sixth pick of the draft, so he's getting some change. He'll be there. What uh, what channel's the G League on is really my question. I got I to gotta watch this Jalen Green, John. 500K. You know well, what I not- like about Jalen Green signing with the G League for 500K? What's that? That it's like, yeah, man, 500K is a lot of money. You know what I mean? I think – Sports contracts are so big that we always talk about things like, uh, uh, you know, like Christian McCaffrey's guarantee. You like I said it on the last podcast. You know, let's say it's thirty-two million, or maybe it's a little more than thirty-two. Let, let's say it's thirty-four, right? I just I just called two million dollars a little more. Right? Just a little yeah. bit of money, two, two million bucks. But like Jalen Green is going to the G League Select team for five hundred thousand dollars. It's like you know what? Fuck yeah, five hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money and it's like five hundred thousand dollars it just something feels right to me about talking about 500k like it's a lot of money to Jalen green because it is a lot of money yeah. we're always like you know just uh whatever just just uh you know take a hometown discount just take seven million dollars less 500k man hell yeah well, you, know, you you know the thing that gets thrown out like so liberally on twitter like you just give them the max give them the max you got the max you guys understand that the maxes for these NBA players are like 150 to 250? Hundreds million dollars? 100, not 150K, not 1.5 million, 150 million dollars? Like we're, we're making fun of Ruth Chris. They make 40 a year, 40 million. You're talking, that's how much Russell Westbrook makes. Like that's, they, they are so obscenely rich. Some of these max, even like Amari Cooper, like, oh, you know, they got him 60 guaranteed, 60 fucking million dollars? He was already the fourth pick in the draft, so he already made like 25. Amari's already accumulated 100 million in guarantee. Now he's actually played, so he's probably ma- he'll end up with like 150. Hell, he's 26 years old. I mean, when it's all said, the dust settles. Amari's like worth 180 million, and we just he's made 180 million in his playing career. Like you crush it, you make it in business. If one day you, you like sell a company for like 10 million, I mean, you're like a legend in your community. It's like that guy did it, the American freaking dream. Sold his company. And then you realize, well, with taxes, you know, some payroll stuff. I, I actually only got four in the bank. But you're like, you did it, man. That's awesome. And we just talk about these athletes, especially these these players. And it always bothers me that, like, listen, college basketball, it's been proven. I mean, they get $100,000 under the table. And I was critical of the G League move when they, they threw it out probably like a year ago, maybe less than that. They're going to start giving $150,000 to the top high school guys like guys. That's are you guys that naive? Like they're not coming for that. Now you five hundred is a number where it's like five hundred. I don't need to deal with it. I just go right to the pros. They gave some other incentives. It's that that's a number where probably everyone, if you offer, is coming. Right? I don't have to answer in two years. There's no. Ch- I don't even have to. I don't lose a second of sleep over is the FBI going to bang on my door about some bullshit I don't want to deal with. Yeah, am I going to get my uh, player of the year revoked in five years? Are we going to go to the Sweet Sixteen? No, I'm just going to go. I, I give the NBA credit for the $500,000. Now, here's where, and I, I am pro attempting the move. Here's where I would red flag it. 
the league is paying for it. So all the profits of the league that get distributed, the, all the teams are involved in this. Does it benefit all the teams? Because one thing you see every year, a couple years ago, Cam Reddish was a higher-rated prospect than Zion. Uh, you see it every year. Yeah. I mean, you do you do college basketball games you're like oh the USC has the number three overall guy and then he goes gets drafted twenty seventh. You know, or I, I'm just that might not be true, but you know what I'm saying. They do have the, the I think they got the number one overall overall guy coming in this year. Who was the guy? Who was the guy last year? The name that ended up getting drafted later. Didn't they have a shooting a score on USC? There was uh, like a top five player, Kevin Porter Jr. Didn't they have another guy? I thought it was a different name. What was that the guy? Was it Porter Jr.? Kevin Porter Jr. was the guy that ended up like he came in big time. Then he doesn't play with a thigh bruise for like two weeks, and then he gets suspended, and or it was more than two weeks. Did he go in the first round? Yeah, he went to the Cavs. I don't pretty high still. Uh, where did he get drafted? But but regardless, he would have been a guy in yeah, the mix. For, wouldn't you say he would have been in the mix for like five hundred thousand dollars out of high school? Wasn't he like a top five or six player? Big time, big time recruit. Yeah. So I I just think you're going to have. A lot of misses on this. Yeah. For every Zion and Anthony Davis, I feel like there's going to be a lot of Porter Juniors or the kid from North Carolina, Cole Anthony, huge recruit. And then it's just like, ah, it just didn't work. And and then the likelihood of that guy being good, again, I, I have no problem with the attempt of it. I actually think it's one of Adam Silver's best ideas. I just think execution of it is going to be maybe a little more complicated than you think. Also, it's like, is it – are you really willing to do this thing? Like, are you willing to do this for 10 to 15 years? Maybe it doesn't take quite that long, but what's the end game here? What is the purpose here? Is the purpose to try and create a minor league that can be a secondary source of income for your league where you can, people will watch these games because they're top prospects. Is that the idea or is the idea just let's get our hands on the best prospects in the world earlier so that we control their early development? Because one of the great benefits of college sports for the NFL, definitely, but even for the NBA, is they don't have to pay for the first-year development for this guy when they don't want to be in high school gyms and at AAU tournaments. And this guy, Jalen Green, comes from a prep school in Napa, prolific prep. They don't want to. They just don't want to deal with that world. They don't have to. They let the colleges deal with it. They watch a guy in a big-time environment. Although as much as scouts say, man, I love to see him compete. Like you go to Cameron Indoor and you just watch him at Duke and you just, but then they don't draft guys around that by like they don't. They usually just draft the most talented guys. They don't draft as if they really care about that. But you're right. Zion's a great example of a guy who gets hurt, comes back. That whole thing around maybe would have been the first pick anyway. But that whole thing around him was part of what I think made people pretty confident that he was good. That he's a successful. God, just because you saw him in these like adverse situations, and he acted I, like a I do think it helps when you have an elite guy like this year. You saw Joe Burrow. He couldn't have played any of the better teams. Like, there, there are no questions to answer. Like I saw Zion against the best, and he dominated. I saw Anthony Davis, Carmelo carry their team. Yeah, but what I would say is the NBA was going to draft Zion in the top four anyway. Right? I agree, but my point is it just hammers home. You don't have any concerns. Yeah, yeah. You know? Where I, I think once you start financially going all in on these guys, like, well, this guy, like I thought, for example, DeAndre Aiden when he went to Arizona, I'm like, Is there, Arizona's going to win the national championship. Turns out, you know what? This guy's not Shaq. They got beat in the first round. This guy's not Anthony Davis. And again, he's number one overall pick, but it's like, is he, is he good? Like he's going to have a long career, but is he, 
is he what we thought? Because I, I thought when I first remember you did a game, I remember seeing some highlights. I'm like, God damn, this guy's like Tim Duncan. And it's just and then you also realize, well, he's only 19, 18 years old. So it's a, still yeah, hard. Is, is, if, if, is a G League season going to be enough to answer those questions? Yeah, I, I just wonder, like a big part of a player's hype is associating with the program to me. Like a college player coming into the last several decades has been, this guy went to Kentucky. This guy went to Michigan. This guy went to Duke or North Carolina. This guy went to Arizona. And then you're part of the fraternity of the other guys in the league. It's a big point of pride. I mean, you would agree it's huge in the NFL, right? This guy went to this school for a lot of guys. I'm not saying for, you know, like Richard Sherman, do we talk every day about Stanford? No, but like if you look... Nick Bosa, Ohio State. Like, Ohio State, it's a big deal for them. We had known about Nick Bosa forever. Buckner and Armstead, we'd watch them play in the national championship. Like, there is, think about the guys in this draft. You're like, damn, Joe Burrow, Tua. We're in basketball. Are you excited for this NBA draft? I mean, if the Warriors didn't have a pick, I'd be like, I fuck, I barely watch any of these guys play. Well, yeah, Wiseman stopped playing. Lamella was in Australia, got hurt. Anthony Edwards is on a terrible team at Georgia. Obi Toppin played at Dayton. So even if you watch college basketball, you saw him, but you didn't see him like you would have if he'd played at Kentucky or something didn't like that. that. What, didn't that make what last year, now is only the one guy, what made Zion's draft so cool? It's like, I've been But I've it been wasn't just the one Zion. guy. Just you watched him, you watched Cam Reddish. Yeah, you saw right. R.J. Barrett. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's – basketball's in a weird it point is. right now that I, I understand their uh, – it's not jealousy is the wrong word. Uh, just want – just they despise the NCAA, though they enjoy some of the things it gives them. When we were growing up, they just used them to the, our benefit or their benefit. And us as fans benefited. Like college, you know what you don't hear in the NFL? Like fucking college football losers. The NFL loves college football. I get it's different and players in basketball sometimes are more equipped. But more often than not, they're not. Like it took LeBron James, like LeBron James is an all-time outlier. Right? Most high school guys, even if they become good, take a while. Hell, guys that come out of college, that like Steph Curry, James Harden, Clay Thompson, Kawhi, it takes them a while. To me, building up your stars in college used to be a big deal in basketball, and it's not. And I think that's led to their popularity of the league being yeah, down. It hurts. It hurts. It, hurt. it helps the and it th- it's just think it helps about the, the NFL immensely. So much, so much. And immensely. it's not just one. It's not one. It's not just guys coming out of high school. It's guys just not being three year players. Like you if know? I tell you right now, and I don't know if this is going to happen. But if the Raiders and Niners both take in some order CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, both those guys are giving their teams and their fans players that they immediately have a history Well, those with. two guys both have bigger name recognition than whoever the number one pick in the NBA draft is. Do you even think it's close? I would say sometimes the, 30, the 31st pick has more name recognition. I mean, the second rounders have more name recognition. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It is. Would, it you is. Say jo- would you say Jordan Love... Is every bit as famous right now as like Wiseman? Yeah, or is that a stretch? No, I think if we, yeah, I mean if we put his, it's yeah, it's tough, but I would say yes. I think more people casually could have a conversation about Jordan Love than could casually have a conversation about James Wiseman. Would you say Joe Burrow is infinitely more famous than any NBA prospect right now? 
Yeah, I mean, maybe a ball, maybe Lamelo, just because he's yeah, Lamelo ball. But even then, I don't think people could tell you anything. Like they know of the balls, but they don't. How tall is Lamelo Ball? Like, What's where, his game where, like? Where's he been playing? Wait, did where did he go to college? He go to UCLA too? It, you wouldn't be able to keep up. The casual sports fan has no clue about Australia, right? Because that's complicated. Because he was there, then he left. Or Lith- did he go he to Australia hurt. or Lithuania? Where- he went to Australia, but he got hurt. Didn't he start in Lithuania or one of those places? Didn't they buy a team? Yeah, a couple years ago, because other uh-huh. brother was on the team too, right? So is, has Lamelo been to col- or class in the last four years? No, <laughs> I doubt it. Does Lamelo have a high school degree? I don't know, probably, but maybe not. Was he I don't know. was he ineligible for college? Is that why he had to no? Go he there? was eligible. He just didn't want to go to UCLA. Well, I don't know what he wanted. Did they not want him? Well, no. Remember, they had his brother. They had Leangelo, and then Leangelo got in trouble when they were in China for stealing for sunglasses. Pradas. Yeah, and then but they took Leangelo basically just to get L- uh, I almost called him Laval. Who's Lamello. the who's the who's the guy on the Pelicans? We got Lavar, Lamelo, Leangelo, and or J- aka Jello. Who's the fucking Pelican? Who's the Alonzo? Yeah. So they took they took Leangelo basically to get Lonzo and Lamelo, right? Uh, yeah. The, was Jello? Jello? Is he older than Lamelo? I mean, uh, Lonzo? Yes. Jello's no, older. No. no, but I'm saying they felt good about taking Leangelo because they still wanted oh, to get. Yeah, because they had Lonzo and they were getting. But they they knew Lamello. it made and Lonzo Lamello was going to be the. Most but it also made Lonzo and Lavar feel good that he, they had already made an offer and committed to their younger brother. Like yeah. it was a whole package deal for two of the three of them. Yeah. So you're saying that Lamelo, if he'd wanted to and Lavar would have let him, could have gone to UCLA. Like he was he qualified. Well, I don't know ultimately what like at the end of the day when it could, when it came time for him to sign. But yeah, he was going to UCLA to play for yeah. Steve Alt. I mean, talk about UCLA dodging a bullet. They end up with Mick Cronin. Not, no Lamelo. They have a great year. Ultimately, yeah. Uh, Would've been fun though. But yeah, I mean, is I don't know. Is the NBA? Are we watching G League games in fifteen years? Like now, again, you would say minor league baseball doesn't really work that way. But the volume of teams they have in local communities is so big; it's a different animal than what. To, to me, baseball does not parallel like no. football parallels basketball. Baseball is its own deal. And basketball is trying to break off from the way football and football is giving you the blueprint. To me, you, it'd be simple. You just allow one and or you allow guys out of high school, or you make it mandatory go for two years. So worst case, you're going to get a lot of like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry go for the two years, and that'll help you because you know where well they where they will be: UCLA, Kentucky, North Carolina. Guess what? Those games are on television all year long. <laughs> like that's what just TV's on. You're like, oh, yeah. this. This dude that's going to go number one overall is playing for North Carolina. He's a sophomore. Yeah. I, I saw Chris Mack say this, the head coach at Louisville. He's like, I, look, that guy is always the top-end guy is going to go fine, but we'll still get all those other guys, and college basketball will be okay. I mean, yeah, I college basketball will miss out on the times that they got Zion Williamson. Like, that was a big deal for college hoops. Now, if in the long run because the way I look at it is if you don't have Zion, that hurts, but there will still be just a best player in college basketball, right? Who's just yes. the biggest star in college hoops. It's Zion. You can't plan anything around having Zion's cause he's just not, that's not normal, but there's always going to be Zion's and Kevin Garnett's and Kobe Bryant's right. And LeBron's and they're, yeah. And they're the exceptions. They're not going to be the rule. So I think college hoops will be okay. It'll just be interesting. Like 
are are guys who wouldn't have made any money in college going to the G League for twenty five thousand dollars? Like, is that ever happening? And now you're taking if you're taking the C level players from college or the B level prospects. Well, they're going to need to fill the team because they're building a select team that's led by this dude. So not every guy on that team is going to get paid a premium. Would they take a guy? Would a guy go for fifty grand? That would have gone to like yeah. I say this would have gone to like Washington, you know, or wherever. Yeah, just guys who I think that'd be their hope. You know, just in the same way that the XFL ultimately had hoped maybe we can, after a freshman year, get a quarterback who only wants to play one more year. We can pay him two hundred thousand bucks. He skips college. I guess he would still have to play two years. Yeah, and he plays two years in the XFL while he's making money instead of right. I mean, that would have been ideal for the XFL. Watch a Why, I got premium running back. Watch Jadevian Clowney, defensive end, pay him for two years, and then he goes pro. You want to put our money together and buy the XFL? It's in bankruptcy. We can just buy it. I saw that the uh, I saw a headline that says the XFL hopes they get bought and keeps on running next year. Oh, and they, I think they might. I don't know what the price is, but it's probably not cheap. Can we do some co-branding? Yeah, I mean, we, we would be the voice of the XFL and the owners and do whatever we want. But then the problem is if another pandemic hits, we're shit out of luck. Yeah, I know. But, It'd be but a risk. We, we would have we would have got it at a, at a cheap price. It'd be bold. Instead of the XFL, it's just called the Ham FL. <laughs> yeah, we call it whatever we want. Before we move on, John, this podcast brought to you in part by Manscaped.com. Promo code HAM. Manscaped. The only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Right now, go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code HAM. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. Lawnmower 3.0. We originally got the 2.0. Now we got the 3.0. I actually used it yesterday. Get a lot of different uses from me. Getting ready for the weekend. Yeah, you got to get ready for the weekend. You don't want any uh, stragglers you know, popping out. And the great thing is, guy, when you, when you use it on the uh, the testicles... When you use it on the body, you don't have to worry about cutting yourself because we've all used some of those old school shavers that all of a sudden you you know you you, you catch a you catch a little flesh and you got a bleeder. The one it's smooth, guy. It's smooth. USB charger, easy to use. Love the lawnmower 3.0. Here's a great thing right now when you go to manscaped.com, use the promo code HAM. Uh, you also get two free uh, gifts for uh, subscribers. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value added, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped uh, boxer briefs. So it's the perfect package for your perfect package. Uh, 20% off and free shipping. The code HAM at manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping. Code HAM, manscaped.com. 20% off free shipping. Manscaped.com. Promo code HAM. Promo code HAM. Uh, JT Daniels, Transfer Portal. USC quarterback was going to be the guy early enrollee. It was all going well. Actually had a good start to his first game. Tears his ACL. Keaton Slovis replaces him. And uh, on Thursday, Clay Helton, the head coach of USC, said we're we're going to help him do whatever. Hope you know maybe that means he ends up back here at SC. But he's investigating the portal. I would not mind seeing him just selfishly. I know Clay wants him back at SC. I'm sure a lot of people want him. I wouldn't mind seeing him at. Michigan. I would, you know, we're still waiting for old Harbs to get a premium QB prospect over there onto the field playing. Oh, they've got the, they got a McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, is, is he ever going to land just a legitimate quarterback on his own from the jump? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I I wouldn't like that because 
typically transfer quarterbacks, for the most part, I got red flagged, guy. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, how many starting quarterbacks in the NFL? And if we're going to talk about you in college, we ultimately view you good enough to talk about, like, you're going to be an NFL player transfer. And I think you start thinking about it in the back. Now, I get times are different. Like, with Tom Brady, if Tom Brady was 2020, would he have transferred? And remember, there were rumors, like, after his second year, that he was going to transfer to Cal. I'd say now he probably does, right? Yeah. A player of his caliber. But I think you just go around Carr, Goff, Jimmy... Russell did, but I'd say his his circumstances were not football related. It was because the coach didn't want him to play baseball. Little unique. I thought they were the just were ready that, to move on to Mike Glennon because he was a grad transfer. Kind of, but remember that he wanted to play during the spring. He oh. was playing baseball, and that was a big thing. Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, I, Drew Brees. These guys Joe Flacco, play at the same school. Transferred. Yeah, Penn State. Once upon he a had time one star. Good, he had one good year. Eli. Uh, Darnold. Josh Allen transferred. JC, not the same. You know, I wouldn't say, yep, not the same. Baker transferred, not ideal. Yeah, that doesn't help the argument for transfers, I don't think. Now, Kyler, did you say Kyler? Yeah, I mean, that's, it was a little weird. <laughs> Kyler, I did not say Kyler, but that's, that's a good one. Good, good nugget. Kicked out of school, though. <laughs> Forced. But you'd say, I mean, the guys you're listening are a little polarizing, right? But, but Baker, I, yeah, Cam. I mean, but look, now the number one pick's going to be Joe Burrow, who was a transfer. Next year, the number one pick right. might that's, be Justin that's Fields, like, who's a transfer. Do I sound like my fucking dad on video games in 95? Like, uh, he was right about that, actually. But he's not. Like, every kid play video games are really popular. Yeah, but I just he might have been right that it'll be, you know, uh, fry your brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, but what's the difference? What's TV? You well, know? your dad's prediction wasn't, Video games will never be big business. <laughs> no, it was just put down the goddamn controller and pick up a book. Now you might say what I say, which is, what, what, "Why is anybody watching anybody else play video games? I don't get it." Now get out of the way. I'm watching the combine. <laughs> exactly. Jim Gaffigan. Have you seen his stand up? His latest stand up? No. Are you? I haven't watched a lot of Gaffigan, but you know I'm pretty familiar with him. But he's got he, this. He's unique. He doesn't swear, right? Uh. No, I don't think he does. But he's got this yeah, great bit that's, about that's one of his things. He's, he's fun. He's got this bit about like the people who watch other people run marathons. Yeah, and he's like, "What if you know about how if you just like people running?" He's like, "But you can't pull that off at the gym. You can't just stand there watching some girl on the treadmill. Like, what are you doing? I'm supporting that girl over there on the treadmill. You know, he does it with a funny face and a funny voice. It's a good bit. I I, I heard a pretty good one yesterday. Not stand up comedian material, but if I was a stand up, I would put this into somehow in my material you notice this when you when you talk to a girl and she's with her kids like what are you doing i'm just at home with the kids like we're just at home with the kids i'm watching uh little jimmy or i'm with julie we're just we're hanging out she's just feeding or she's taking a nap whenever you hear a guy i'm at home babysitting no no those are your you're not you're, those are your kids every single guy when you ask them, like what are you doing you're like oh, i'm just at home babysitting the three kids no that's, no, you're at home with your family. You're what? You're the father. But every single guy, every single one, uses the term "I'm babysitting." No, yeah. we pay a babysitter. You're just watching your children. And if they don't use babysitting, they're like, "Oh, they will say if they say I'm home with the kids, it'll be like, oh, you know, my wife is out. I'm home with the kids. Like the the woman never says John's out. I'm home with the kids. Like you yeah, just, they 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 always act like they're a substitute teacher. No, you're also a teacher. It's fucking dual 
teaching class. You're one of the members. But they never want to take too much responsibility. So if thing goes wrong, it's like on her. Listen, this is not my responsibility. Yeah. She left me alone. I told her it's a risky proposition. Because I was thinking about this. If I had a kid, I would say for like the first two years, I would be very nervous to be left alone. Touching, you know, if they couldn't breathe, got choked on. I just, I would not be comfortable in that situation at all. But the babysitting thing is funny. But back to uh, what were we talking about? JT Daniels, uh, Jim Jim Harbaugh, transfer yeah, quarterback. I, I, I just think, I, 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 when I first saw the headline, I was like, oh, fuck. But then it's just it's just part of the deal now. You yeah, know, and I, it, it is the it is the one position where only one guy plays. So it's like, what are you going to do? And I do think just talking to people who know the USC program well, I don't think people think that there's about to be a quarterback competition there between Keaton Slovis as the returning guy. I think people think it's Keaton Slovis is going to be the quarterback at USC, not JT when he's healthy from the ACL. Open competition. That's which is kind of what was happening at Stanford. KJ Costello, who left, it was going to be. Him and Davis Mills were going to have a competition. But that's not what's happening at SC. And I just, to me, he would go under the, we just let's just look at recent elite guys that transferred. I would say Jacob Eason, it's hard to call him a failure. I mean, the guy's going to get drafted in like the top 100, but he by no means lived up to the hype, mm. right? I think right. everyone would have said that out of high school, this guy has number one overall pick potential, size, arm strength, and it, it just hasn't gone well. The next year, the same guy, Justin Fields, who looked like, God, this guy can't throw. A year later, he's at Ohio State. He looks unreal. And you go, he made the right move transferring. So I I don't, I don't, need to stop being an old man and judge transfers like I used to because just, I do I blame him? I mean, hell, I might do the same thing if I was him. Yeah, he now, might. Th- there's, there's also the, is he ever going to live up to the hype? I didn't think he looked that good as a freshman, but I did think before he hurt his ACL, he looked dramatically better to me in that first game. Mm-hmm. It's like God, Graham this guy Merrill. might be a dude. But yeah. then the problem, like you said, Slovis comes in. He's sweet. I tell, I tell the JT, third don't... guy to start the season. What's that? Was Slovis the third guy, or was he the backup? He was the backup, but then the third he got hurt, and then the third guy came in. Remember and beat Utah. Oh, just throwing b- prayers. Yolo out. balls. Yeah, I like to call him <laughs> Matt Fink. Then okay, that guy played against happened. UW. Then Slovis okay. came back. Okay, that's what that's what happened. So Slovis, he got a concussion or something, right? Yeah, I forget what the injury was, but he got yeah, knocked yeah, he got hurt against Utah. Like they threw him down or something. Yeah, yeah. And the other guy just came in and just threw these hail marys up that somehow they made the play. Yeah, the passes that Herbert couldn't throw because he didn't have those guys. <laughs> exactly. So, can you imagine Herbert if he would have been on USC the last couple yeah. of years? I read Michael PFF said Michael Pittman Jr. had five drops in his career. That's pretty good. When I was watching the uh, Super Bowl. Oh, two with the Raiders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. Like Pittman was trucking dudes in that game. The dad. You even went to college, right? Yeah, for Fresno State Bulldog. Not did they but, have a ba- did they, they have a backfield of Lorenzo and Pittman, or was that now Lorenzo was like early nineties. Yeah, Pittman was. Pat Hill got there. Pat Hill had a famous story that he kicked Michael Pittman off the playing field, and for a split second, it looked like Pittman was gonna come after him. This is back when the dogs were like. Probably a mixture of like junior college ball meets uh, what's the show on Netflix? Uh, un- Last undercover, chance you. Last Chance You meets Division One ball. It was like a combination of it all, yeah. and just had a little edge to it. A lot of non qualifiers. They called it at that yeah, time. Yeah, dudes that should have been at Last schools. Chance You, but they got to go to Fresno State, and it just got a little contentious. Now it all worked out, I think. But 
yeah, they had a lot of guys that you could not in, that, that doesn't exist now. The non qualifiers, Fresno State was just open arms. <laughs> it worked too. It did. In All fairness right. to Michael Pittman, I don't know if he he might have been a qualifier. Like Logan Mankins didn't qualify for college. He had like a zero point zero. Went on to be a borderline Hall of Famer. Like if Fresno State didn't exist, if the if the prop whatever it was called back then did not exist, Logan Mankins probably does not play football. Think about that. He doesn't go to junior college. No, I think he was just going to go farm. You know, he's just Miraposa. You should bring. I'm a big believer. Bring back the prop forty eights for only non power five, and let's just equal it out a little. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) You know, so all of a sudden you're like, God, Nevada's number three overall. I do it for all the California schools, John. We gotta, we gotta get back to beating, beating the SEC coming in here, taking out Michael Thomas. I agree. I didn't know Michael Thomas was a California guy until you tweeted LA guy. You said no, no clue either. What were were his final schools? I mean, I said LSU, but obviously he went to the Big He's from Woodland, Woodland Hills in uh, in Southern California. Would I'd never in a million so years. SC really had to be a finalist, right? It had to be like SC, Ohio State, Texas. I just went to his Wikipedia. I'm going to go to Michael Thomas Rivals, 2012. He was a four star. Mm. He was the number four overall player in the country. How yeah, was the I mean, it was, number four overall player in the country a four star? That's you got. I like that though. You can't hand out five stars like they're candy. Yeah, I mean Boise, Notre Dame. Maybe he was like an under the radar prospect. I don't. That know. ends up at Ohio State. Well, I mean Ohio State. Like he didn't have as many offers. Maybe they just saw him at a camp. You know, as one of those, and like God, maybe he would have blown up, but he just committed. Yeah. And it, huh. I don't know. All right. On that note. Godspeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.